Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, and welcome to episode 34 of the Baseball From Home podcast. I'm Connor McKnight. He is Joe Brand, and we are brought to you by the House of L Podcast Network. I've been covering baseball for radio stations in Chicago for about 10 years. Joe's been broadcasting minor league ball the last night. He covers the White Sox and the Cubs for WGN Radio. You can find us both on Twitter. I'm at C1 McKnight. He is at Joe underscore Brand 1. It is episode 34 of the Baseball From Home pod, but it is also the final episode of 2020. If something happens over the next day and a half, we will not do a pod to cover it. Why? Because it's the end of 2020, and everyone should celebrate that like it's a damn Prince song. That's what should be happening. Most of the time, New Year's Eve is celebrating the new upcoming year, and even though that will be this, it will be mainly... Damn it all to hell for what happened in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be Ryan Seacrest killing 2020 <laughs> with fire on whatever network you're you're watching. Um, you can subscribe, rate, and review the pod. We would love it if you do. Maybe make that your New Year's resolution. Don't make that your only New Year's resolution. Or do, do New Year's resolutions even work? I don't think they really work. Everybody does it for like two weeks. In the do they time. work? They work if you do them. I mean, it's not like it's not like they're wishes. Well, you're, suppose, you're supposed to actually do them. So I guess they they work if you actually go through with it. So this show is going to be mainly focused on the Cubs because they traded you Darvish. And that's something that we here at the Baseball From Home podcast have been kicking around the pod for about two months now. They just they didn't really do it the way we thought that they could. We'll get into it, but you should know this first. If you are thinking of buying or refinancing a home in 2021, call Team Hochberg. They are absolutely fantastic. They helped me secure the mortgage on my own home here in Wicker Park. They helped me through every step of the mortgage process. If you're looking to refinance, they are your folks to call as well. I know for a fact that David has done a massive amount of research into what it takes and what is best for you when you're looking to refinance in this economy in this situation with what's going on and going forward. One of the things I like best about working with them is that I knew from the get-go that they weren't just going to kind of like, you know, smile and nod like some of the big banks that are securing mortgages for people. They wanted to know about my background. They needed the things about me, my financial situation to make sure that they got the best mortgage for me. And they did. They'll do the same for you. Give them a call 855-56-DAVID or head to the website 56david.com. Homeside Financial is an equal housing lender, NMLS 1124061. So, Joe, you Darvish is now a San Diego Padre, and so is Blake Snell, and the Padres really want to win. I, I still don't know if they can win the AL West or the NL West, rather. But mixed into all of this are the Cubs, their financial situation 
their managerial situation, well, their front office situation, the mix of the players, the extra reports, who's going, who's not going, who's on the block and who isn't. I just, you know, to start this whole conversation about you Darvish being traded for what I see is essentially 70 cents on the dollar, if that, there are, there are a lot of things at odds with one another in this conversation for me. So I think, you know, over the next 30 minutes or so, you're probably going to hear me or Joe say some things that might contradict some stuff we already said. And it's because, the, at least in my mind, the very nature of financial baseball right now is pitted against winning baseball right now. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there have to be bad moves or good moves only on either side. There are a lot of really weird workings within this sport. And I don't like necessarily where all of it is at, but that's where we're left. We're left in a place where a Cubs team, flawed as they are, that still has a really good chance of winning the NL Central, decides to bail on one of the most affordable and best pitchers in baseball, who's, you know, not on a rookie deal. It's wild. I think it's a really good way to put it because when these rumors first started to float around... I go, okay, I actually, I know a couple of broadcasters in the Padres system, one in single A, one in double A. So I just go, hey, going to need you on standby for whatever this move turns out to be because I'd like to hear your takes on these guys. And then once the deal was made, okay, throw those guys out. All, all, all they got were a bunch of teenagers. But even then, like, like I said, I'm waiting on a text from hopefully a, a coach that possibly worked with one of these guys. But it's not even really about the – future potential of these teenagers that the Cubs got from the San Diego Padres because it's all just about the status of the Chicago Cubs right now and the identity of this move to show just where the Cubs are at or maybe I should put that better by saying the state of which the team and the ownership and the front office thinks that the Cubs are at because it's not even just so much a rebuilding move. If it were a rebuilding move, we would be talking about all the pros of these guys. I've got the Baseball America book right next to me, and it's not about that. It's about, okay, this is the direction the Cubs are going, dumping their high salaries and getting whatever they can out of it. I will say this, though, like you said, contradicting. I think there will be a lot of back and forth in this podcast. San Diego has the number one prospect pool at least as of 2020. I don't think they've reevaluated things for 2021 just yet. I mean, it'll be the Rays, right, with everybody that they picked up now yeah, in the that's Snell true. deal. But you're right. I mean, the Padres have a, a terrific farm system even still. Right. So I understand when people are frustrated because the Cubs only got the middle-tier prospects out of their top 30. I'll say this, though. San Diego often drafts very young. When we used to go to Fort Wayne and see the tin caps, they're – the average of their team age was late 19-year-old, early 20-year-old, reaching into 21. So this is something they're used to, drafting young talent. And I'll say this, identifying young talent. I'm not saying the Cubs got a Fernando Tatis Jr. in this deal, but they were able to identify that from the White Sox in that James Shields trade. They were able to see that and say, we want that guy part of the deal, and that ended up working out for them. Here's where I worry. I don't know how much I trust the Cubs' evaluation of teenage talent because that hasn't really fared too well for them recently. And when Theo and Jed came into this whole picture in 2012, 
that's not really what they were going for. They were going for more college draft picks because they could. There, there was a larger sample size. They knew more of what they were getting from that. So that's what I worry. I worry that I don't want to use the word fleece, but I worry that the San Diego Padres are are so in depth and in tune with what they have. They they say you know what, we can afford to give up this guy or this guy in this deal. I, I want to start cutting things apart here because this this idea, like you and I have both kind of said here, is so big, right? I can get behind the idea of the 2020, you know, going to be 2021 Cubs trading high on you, Darvish. I given Given the state of their contracts, given the state of the team, and excluding the team financial picture, like not even... You know, if, if you if you take out the fact that it's it seems as though the Ricketts have set a budget that is lower than than Jed Hoyer is used to having, take that apart. I can still see the pros of trading high on you, Darvish, selling high on that contract, that pitcher, that deal. I, we were talking about this for two months, but when you mix in the fact that I mean, shoot, Victor Caratini's in this deal, you know, and for two years now. I've I've had and I know you have too, Joe. A lot of people, you know, smarter baseball people than I am, look at me and say Victor Caratini is going to get his his crack as a starting catcher on some team somewhere. He's he's that good, he's that reliable, he hits enough. That dude can be a starting catcher for three or four years for somebody. When you when you talk about a player like that, that is a guy like James McCann who goes and signs a forty million dollar deal. That is a guy like, you know, who gets who gets returned back. I'm I'm struggling to think of the the. Cardinals prospect that just got moved, uh, Carson, somebody that uh, catching Dylan, uh, Dylan Carls or no Carson Kelly, Carson Kelly, right? I mean that's that's that kind of a move in and of itself. When you mix in a guy that can be a starting catcher at age twenty seven and get fourteen age prospects in return, and a guy who will I don't know carry the mail for you one every five days in Zach Davies, that's just a a stunning turn on what I thought could be a reasonable trade for the contention of the 2021 Cubs. And it turns out it's just not the case. It's not the case at all. And I'm really surprised by that. I don't know where to put, you know, and I I know Jed Hoyer shot down any reports of Wilson Contreras being shopped, but the guy who reported it doesn't make, you know, completely blind mistakes all that often. Um, he's just He's just not totally wrong often. You know, every, every reporter has one where they're like, ah, I got, I had it wrong. This guy doesn't have many of those. <laughs> so I don't know where to put, where do you put the Wilson Contreras thing? Because I wouldn't be surprised at all if they're shopping Wilson Contreras, given what they've started to do already. Yeah. I mean, if this, if that move came first, it would, it would look more like a rebuilding move than salary dumping the players that they have because what what is Wilson Contreras making next year five million dollars something five, like six. that yeah it depends on arbitration but five six let's say seven who gives a damn yeah exactly exactly uh the, the other interesting thing is in this you Darvish trade I mean Zach Davies is the throw-in right I mean he's kind of the throw-in in this situation they just bulked up their rotation they go yeah well we really don't need this guy anymore so we'll toss him and that'll fix your short-term need for another starting pitcher I do want to bring up something because the way I saw this timeline play out was, oh, you Darvish is being shopped. Okay, this is something that Cubs fans were dreading but kind of understand because of the direction of this team. Still surprising to some, but a, a lot of people maybe understood it as well. 
Then the Padres. Oh, okay. Padres have a great farm system. This could work out really well for the Cubs. And then when the outrage came in, it was because of the return. And the the return was what a lot of people see as nothing. And I, I almost wondered, and it's interesting because Jed Hoyer brought this up during the press conference, but I wondered, you're not seeing as many top prospects get moved anymore, even just maybe in the difference of five or six years. And I almost wonder if that's because prospects are looked at so closely now, and with the technology that we have, there's there's people to cover them on a daily basis, there's people to share videos of them on a daily basis, but the one luxury, and I don't know if it's a luxury, it's just kind of the, the principle in place right now is when a, when a prospect does well, you hear all about it. It, it gets tweeted and retweeted and posted on Facebook and and in the morning news for the local stations. But when a prospect doesn't do well and they're in the minor leagues, you don't hear about it as much. So there's a lot less hype. So all that conversation is pretty much just going through scouts and organizations. So I almost wondered, is that it? Is that why why these guys aren't getting moved anymore? And then Jed Hoyer kind of brought into it saying teams like the Padres see their top prospects, like Mackenzie Gore, as more of their depth rather than a trading piece. And I kind of bought it. I, I did. I was like, okay, I, I was thinking about this. And I know every trade is different. But you look at the Mookie Betts deal last year. Yeah, I was just going to bring up the Mookie Betts deal. I mean, they get they get the Dodgers' number one prospect. They get the Twins' number two. And I, and I understand money is different. And, and players and contracts are different. But, but that's what just seemed so polarizing on the other end of this deal for the Cubs. Like, go one way or the other. Eat up a good chunk of you Darvish's contract and get Mackenzie Gore. Or don't eat as much and, I don't know, don't give up Victor Caratini. I know that doesn't really help them in this situation, but right. that seems kind of a little bit more fair. And I know I just kind of beat around the bush to your question, but I, Wilson Contre- the Wilson Contreras news didn't surprise me as much after what happened with you, Darvish. If it happened before, I'd go, okay, that's an interesting turn because this isn't one of the guys we speculated to be moved so soon. You know, and it, and it changes. I, I think you're right, and I, I think it changes kind of the perspective from likely from inside the clubhouse in a big way, right? What you had setting up here was one last ride, right? I mean, that's it. Anthony Rizzo thought it was one last ride last year. And he still could be right. I mean, shoot, he still could be right. Um, But if they do have one last ride and it's without you, Darvish, you know, it's still a handful of guys from that core. Yeah, Schwarber's gone. Yeah, Darvish is gone. And Caratini's gone. And, you know, you'll probably lose John Lester, you know, to, to free agency if he signs with somebody else. I would imagine that's the case. But, you know, there's a lot of guys still there. Still... I, I can't help but think that it, this has cemented the fact that it's so on Bryant and so on Baez and Rizzo and Hendricks and everybody else to win the Central and then get hot in the playoffs and see what happens. And really, it's it's even more than that. It's have a nice little lead by the deadline because if you don't, everybody's gone. And they should do it. I mean, if that's... And this is where I think things fight each other. I think you should be adding to this team. I think you, Darvish, should have stayed. I think you should be adding to the rotation. I think You know what I mean? I think this is a team that can easily win a central with a couple of pieces here or there. Salary cap be damned. And believe me, it's a salary cap. But instead, once you've started the season down the path that they have, 
you have to be trading by by the deadline. Otherwise, you're you're going to be left holding a very empty bag at the end of 2021 without a playoff appearance. Well, let's say they do get off to a hot start. Let's say they are fighting for the division tooth and nail heading up to July. There's no way that they would make a move. And even if you wanted to, who are you moving? Because they really don't have that much of a farm system except for who they just got. And you're really going to give that up because then that trade-off would look horrible because you're probably just going to get a rental for 2021. So if you're a Cub fan, are you really just rooting for them to clear house for the rest of this offseason or just suck for the rest of 2021? Because odds are that's the way that this direction or at least the direction that the front office wants to go because there aren't really any other options and that's frightening it is for cub fans but i I, the other thing that that worries me maybe not worries me but can be very concerning to cub fans is when they got theo and jet in 2012 that i mean can we just say that that was the best option that they could do that that is the best move they they could have done of course So they went about it with the top baseball minds in the nation. They went about it the right way, it seems. They won a World Series. Maybe they could have won more. But it's that the planned approach and everything that they wanted to do, they did, and then it failed. They won a World Series. That's not a failure. But then they failed. So now they kind of want to do it all again. And do they want, and I know Theo's not in the picture, but do they want to do it again with the learned lessons that they have learned with not holding on to guys for too long just because you developed a, a personal relationship? And I don't mean to make it that arbitrary, but sure, sure, sure. just guys that guys that they just maybe overvalued or something. So maybe is that it? Maybe, but we can say all this, and I think it just ends up coming down to money because of everything that's gone on and and everything that the Cubs, the state of financial mind they think they're at right now. Yeah, I kind of like to think of the money, you know, when it comes to the baseball discussion side of things, I like to think of money as fate, right? Because Jed doesn't get to pick the payroll. Um, You know, Theo didn't get to pick the payroll. Theo got to pick the Cubs after they told him what a payroll would be once things got successful and once things got to a, you know, once the team got to a place where they were ready to add. So there's there's that little nuance to think about. But the payroll is kind of this un- immovable fate that guides the hand of baseball front offices. It's a way to think about it. There's another way to think about it, and it's that every baseball team is more or less financially feasible and fine and making a lot of money, and they should all spend a lot to win baseball games. But that's neither here nor there. Still, now that this fate has given you this hand, that the best option available to you is trading high on you, Darvish, and recouping some kind of return. I'm really glad that Jed Hoyer said what he said about a potential rebuild or about rebuilds in general. And that's, even if we did start to rebuild, I'm paraphrasing, but even if we did start to rebuild, we're not doing it the same way we did it back in the day in 2010. We're not going about this the same fire sale type way. First of all, Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
it it's everybody's doing it. You know, and everyone's zigging, there is less return on investment. You have to zag. Also, that method has kind of been scratched out of the rule books by Major League Baseball. You don't get to spend a whole boatload of money on a guy like Aloy Jimenez or something like that in international pool spending and then use him to go get Jose Quintana or what have you. Those things don't exist. Jorge Soler, same story, right? But I I guess that's to say, what do you see happening from teams like this who aren't hitting full-on rebuild? Well, that's the Padres, weirdly enough. They loaded up with a Craig Kimbrell contract back in the day. Sounds familiar. They loaded up with a whole bunch of, you know, an Eric Hosmer deal and stuff like that and screwed up some of those deals. Pivoted some, sold off some pieces, got real lucky with the James Shields trade, no doubt about it, but ended up recouping some pieces. And, you know, from my mind, not that the Padres were all that relevant before new management, new ownership came in, but in my mind, they've done one of the more successful rebuilds on the fly in Major League Baseball. And I don't count the Rays because the Rays have, you know, voodoo math and advanced supercomputers that make those decisions. Oh, and 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 guys like uh guys like Jeff Sullivan, who just, you know, are brilliant human beings running the front office. So that I, I don't count them in the same kind of although the Padres have Dave Cameron and that he's really smart too, so maybe they are the same. I agree with you with Jed's approach to say that, no, we're not going to, if we were to do a rebuild, we're not going to do it the same way as before. Number one, I don't think you can. You just can't do it that way. And part of it goes back to, to what I said earlier. Just the value of prospects is so so much different than it was five or six years ago. I mean, in, in 2014, when the Cubs traded Jeff Samarja and Jason Hamill for Oakland's top prospect, the conversation probably went, hey, we need some arms. This is Oakland speaking. This is Billy Bean. We need some arms. Theo goes, okay, we want your top guy. That's what it's going to take. All right, gosh, we got to do it. We haven't won a playoff game in so long. Okay, yes, we got to do it. Now there's just so much invested in these prospects. And again, it goes down to fans being able to see these guys on a daily basis and and learn about their tendencies and learn about them as human beings and, and video being sprayed across the nation every time the person does something well. And I think Jed... What he said has a lot of faith and value to it, again, with teams just see those players as depth to their team rather than maybe a moving piece. Yeah, so there's another piece to this, too. And you're, you're right about the prospect thing. Like, we are smarter. We, uh, we as a baseball-watching people, are smarter about prospects than we have ever been. That doesn't necessarily mean we're better at evaluating them as a as a baseball cognoscenti. Not that you and I are necessarily in that group, but, you know, people who sign and draft and develop those guys are. And there's still some hit and miss there. I get that. But there's another issue involved in why these prospects are held on to, and that is the money side of things. Baseball does not compensate its youngest and, and perhaps most impactful players the same way they do free agents. You can get away with paying a guy $900,000 in a season, in his third year, and he can be worth four and a half war. And before he hits arbitration, he's not hitting the million-dollar mark. And he'll still be one of your best players. And he's the reason that you can add all those other pieces to go help you win a title. The way baseball, and I like with a capital B baseball, is generally managed right now, has so much to do with the fact that players from age one to six in terms of major league service don't get paid anything. 
And until that changes, until there's some sort of compensation realignment for players that mean the most to their teams, we're, we're not moving these prospects. They're not happening anymore. And, and we can debate whether or not that's something you want to see and whether that's better for baseball or whether it's something that's okay because these players stay with their teams all the way up until the point where they get too expensive for places like the Rays and then they get dealt and people get pissed again and they have to f- go find the next Blake Snell. I, I get the debate, but for me, a more, I don't know, it, it's weird to say it, but a more free and fair economy for these players will help, I think, the competitive benefit for a lot of teams. And, and that's not been the it's not been the common sense. Not, that's not been the common um, approach for years now. Well, Jeff Passan had a really good article about how the Cubs making this Oh, move. that's surprising. Yeah, right. Uh, the, oh, did, oh, did Jeff write another good one? <laughs> the, uh, but basically, I mean, it was, yeah, it was good, but it was kind of somber because he, he talked about how the Cubs making this move just shows maybe a not favorable direction that baseball is heading. And it's a lot of what you just touched on because – yeah, the Cubs just won the division. They they just came away with a team that did so well during the regular season, granted it being 60 games, with a lot of good talent. Yeah, maybe they underperformed, but now they're, I don't want to say it, but they're kind of giving up. And why are they giving up? Because they don't see a World Series in their future for at least 2021 and maybe the next near future. And that's the whole goal of baseball organizations now is not just win it once, but to win it a lot of times. And and maybe that's the most difficult thing about it all because you're not just going for a championship anymore. You're going for multiple and you're going for sustained success how do you fix it connor though because i don't know how do you fix it how do you do what you just said of putting younger players in a better position to get paid for what they do rather than what they have done i've I've spent a lot of time thinking about this i really have it's been like a pet project of mine for the last 15 years and the only answer that exists is a radical dismantling of the way baseball players and baseball teams operate and compensate each other. Um, It is a complete dismantling of what exists now as the soft cap and in actuality is the hard cap. You, you, You have to, the entire system has to be completely changed. There is no one weird trick, right? There's no, there's no clickbait link at the bottom of this article it's going to fix the way baseball gets played. It, it doesn't and exist. You and, and you won't believe number three. And you won't believe it. And then you keep scrolling and clicking, and you never get to number three. And by the time you're on number three, you're like, oh, I'm kind of more interested in this other article. And what does what does the cast of Saved by the Bell look like now? Can I, I do kind of want to see it. Is, is Screech alive even or in jail? I don't know. By the way, you called it your, your pet project earlier. I think you should change it to your project pet. Okay, really, it... It really kind of is. So I I think this too, and, and this is again where we get to the whole, you know, the, the, the cognitive dissonance of this is a bad move perhaps or a bad return. And yet I can see the approach and you know, I see where, where they may have to go next and what may be the next moves, given the fact that they've already done this kind of thing. Um, I would say that the Cubs in 2020 or as we wrap up 2020, thank God stand as a warning to some teams, right? It's important to remember, and I think, you know, for, for those of our, our White Sox listeners who listen to the Cubs stuff as well, this is something that'll, that'll hit there. And for a lot of teams, this matters. For a handful, it doesn't, you know, like the Dodgers or maybe even the Yankees to a certain degree, the Rays perhaps too. But even while you're winning, while you are a good team, 
in order to avoid hitting the wall, the contractual wall of Baez and Brian and Schwarber all up at the end of 2021, you have to keep building your franchise. You have to be cognizant of what you're spending internationally and keep being aggressive. That's why the White Sox, at least for me, signing the two international prospects of note that they have is impressive. It's okay. Keep going. Keep pressing. You can't you know, let this class go by because you've got a decent enough 90-something win team on the field ready for 2021. It's hard to do. It's hard to make a sustainable winner. But what is somewhat easier and more accomplishable in this economic baseball climate is to create waves of talent that could potentially arrive, right? You can't, you can't ever guarantee that it is talent, but you have waves of potential kind of arriving. And sure, maybe that leaves you fallow for a year or two after, you know, your, your big guns go and leave, or maybe a guy gets hurt or you have to trade a couple, but having that system to come in is much easier than losing everything you've got and having to reacquire some sort of talent wave that might be coming in four years when the 17 year old turns 20, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you have to keep an eye on that kind of prize. And I think to that end, fans need to hold even successful teams accountable for when they are or are not also building for this future. Cubs fans got really, they got really familiar with following their double A team with following their, I was going to name the teams, but now they're all different. And I, you know, and then the minor leagues don't exist anymore, but that, that still matters. And I think teams need to be held accountable for that because creating a sustainable winner is the stated goal of every single major league owner. And they don't get held to it. I think as, as consistently as they could. I mean, I almost wonder, could you, could you alternate years Okay, this year we go after pitching. Next year we go after hitting. And not so much at the major league level, but at the drafting level. This is where we stress our importance on. But if there's a guy that we totally need, we're going to go ahead and get that. It's it's a tough tightrope to balance on. And you almost want to bring up the fact that Theo and Jed come into a Cubs organization where you have to win. And there has to be at least one world championship but that same type of thing pretty much happened with the Red Sox, and they were still able to balance a few more championships later on. And it's it's not even so much winning in 2007 after they did in 2014. It's the fact that or 2004. It's the fact that they won in 2013, and then they won yeah. again in 2018. So there were still some bridges there that allowed some type of sustained success. And I don't know, maybe at that point they were just ahead of the curve at that time. So that's that's what allowed them to maybe hang on to some more things and and still progress moving forward. I think that's a you know I'm glad you brought up the 2013 Red Sox because you know everybody so quickly and I'm I'm include me in it right I hear 2013 Red Sox and I'm like yeah because of course everyone saw Shane Victorino turning into a, a right. Super Saiyan in the postseason like everybody was like oh yeah of course that'll happen. The 2013 Red Sox are such a crazy team of guys like random contracts that caught fire true. But you're right in that there was an existing bedrock of talent that already with the Red Sox that allowed them to go take a couple of flyers on players that were a little misfit and hit and hit really well and pitched really well and ended up, you know, tearing through a postseason and and winning another title. But that bedrock has to be there, right? 
and you have to have an ownership with the wherewithal to go add. You have to have a responsible management that creates the flexibility to go add, even though I, you know, acquiring flexibility is, is just somewhat distasteful to me from a major league front office, like to tout, I guess. But it is also very important, you know, when you're when you're trying to make these moves later on. So I do get it. I I think for the Cubs in 2021, or at least for Cubs fans, I think so much is is gonna feel like it could potentially feel like walking on eggshells. Like, you know, at the end of this week, if the Cubs are five games under, is this when we see the trade rumors for everybody? You know, if it's next week and they're four games under, but it's a week later, is is that is that not close enough? God forbid somebody runs away with the central and just catches a heater. But if you're just hanging around 500, even with an extra wild card spot, and by the way, we have no idea what happens with the postseason slots anymore. Right. No, no clue how many people are on the roster. We don't know if a DH is in the National League. <laughs> but there's, you know, there's a lot to consider uh, about the emotions of Cubs fans that are probably going to be, be hanging on everything every week in 2021. Well, not just that. I wonder how it'll affect the Cubs clubhouse, too. Guys wondering when they're going to get moved and what the state of the team is on a weekly basis. I I want to bring up this idea, and it, it kind of touches on the whole Jeff Passan article and how, how teams are just kind of polarizing these days. And I don't make mean to make it so black and white of, well, you're either tanking or you're going for a championship or you're trying to figure out which way you're going to go in between those two. But what if you what if you did make one rule change, one quick rule change? Like you said it wasn't going to happen. What if what if at the trade deadline in July you weren't able to move minor leaguers? Maybe maybe then teams are less likely to just go for it and give up the farm system for a rental right here and there and and that doesn't really benefit either team, but takes away from the extremism on either side. And I, I get it, that'll water down trades a lot, which is a really fun part of this sport, but maybe for the overall good in the game. And again, I'm not saying we have to do this. I literally just thought of this stupid idea. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Like, is that something that, I mean, it would definitely affect it, but would it affect it the right way? It affected heavily. I, I think, you know, if you did something like that, you'd have to expand the what is now the 40-man roster to a larger number. Um, because you still do have to be able to go acquire guys to make up injuries. And, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, that sort of thing starts to matter a little bit. It would also potentially lead to better jobs. You know, being on the 40-man roster pays you more than not. So there's and it, it there. would start it would start your clock quicker too, right? And then you get paid quicker and then well, if, maybe... Yeah, and if it doesn't start your major league clock, it starts your... So for, for listeners who aren't aware, there's... There's the clock, right, that we talk about. Once you're in the major leagues, your service time starts. That's, you know, three years after that is arbitration, and three years after that is free agency, depending on the Super 2 status and whatnot. But there's also, once you're on the 40-man roster, you have three options. And if you are optioned back down to the minor leagues while on the 40-man roster, and you run out of options, the team has done this three times to you, you are now eligible for the Rule 5 draft, which could transfer you to other teams and get you another, uh, you know, a much better shot at a cup of coffee or maybe even a career in, in the big leagues. So yeah, I, I, I think it's interesting to think about, but I'm not going to, 
I, I still wouldn't advocate for just this one weird trick, that approach to it. Right. Because I think it's, I think it's really important that players are compensated, young players, ages one to six, are compensated better for the production that they offer these teams. I, I think that's just fair. I, I just don't have the way to fix it quite yet. Well, and again, thinking of this on the fly, what if you did sprinkle in that Rule 5 drafts, draft status where, again, let's say we wave the magic wand and you're not allowed to trade prospects around July, but if you do, that prospect has to be on your major league roster, something like that. But you don't have to give them back. I don't know. But again, it, in my eyes, it, that kind of benefits the younger players a little bit more because they get up to the majors quicker. They have to get paid more quicker, but also then you're not really – teams aren't so pressured to figure out what they're going to do with them financially like the White Sox have done so well over the past couple of years with Jimenez and Luis Robert. The teams aren't pressured to do that. They know more about with what they have. And, again, it's – because thinking about this before, what can we do, what can we alter to make sure this doesn't happen, the easy answer is, yeah, salary cap, salary cap. But – so much has to go into that now than 15 years ago than when people were talking about it. Everything is going to come down to money and, and players' rights. So there's that's the thing you have to keep in mind is how do we make it more beneficial for younger players, either in their prime or getting to their prime, being paid for their proper value. Yeah. And I think that's the most difficult thing, but it's a hole that baseball has dug itself in. Yeah, it really is. Joe, I, I gotta be honest, I didn't expect us to end uh, to get to here with the Cubs conversation, but I'm glad we did. I think this is some some uh, if I may, some high level baseball shit, and I'm I'm glad we got into it, man. The the Cubs got screwed. Let's change the rules to make sure it doesn't happen again. That's fantastic. That's gonna do it for baseball from home. <laughs> it's the end of 2020. And I, I thank you so much for listening and, and sticking with us for these 34 episodes. Tell your friends. Tell your sons, tell your daughters, tell everybody you know. We'll be back in 2021. Joe, it's been a pleasure. It's been absolutely fantastic. Have a happy new year. Love and help to everybody. Thanks so much for listening. And um, we'll catch you next week for the first episode of the 2021 Baseball from Home. Sounds great, buddy. Love and, and prosperous years ahead, hopefully, for both of us. And, uh, yeah, this has been an absolute thrill. So just pleased to be a part of it. He's Joe. I'm Connor. Catch you next week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. 
Indeed.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.